Hey, hey, Michigan Maniacs. This is the Michigan Maniac Podcast, and I am your host, Adam Brewer. Uh, before we get into this week's episode, let's go ahead and do the uh, housekeeping, of course. Um, guys, I'm looking into getting some hats. Uh, I've got a new logo coming out, so look for that. Um, I'll probably be doing some giveaways, and you can probably also buy them. Uh, also, guys, go to the Michigan Maniac Podcast uh, fan page on Facebook and on Instagram and even on Twitter and leave a review, right? On on Apple Podcasts and on Michigan Maniac fan page, leave a review, Leave your uh, then hit me up. I don't care what star it is, whatever it is, 5, 10, what, 1, 2, whatever it is. Just leave one so the algorithm gets activated or whatever. Um, go ahead, hit me up with your full name, your address, and which platform you put it on. And once I find that it's on there, I will go ahead and send you your Maniac logo sticker. So... Awesome. Uh, I might even have the new stickers out by that time with the new logo and everything, so we'll be good to go. Uh, So let's get into this. So this is kind of like, obviously everybody's doing their own own thing right now of who's doing what or like the top five things that Michigan can do to be a national contender. And let's face it, we don't have that many... uh, we don't have that that many uh, categories right now, or subjects, or topics categories uh, right now because nothing's going on. Kids are going back to school here soon, within a couple days, so that's awesome. Uh, but here are my top five obvious, and then players that will make an impact this season: offense and defense. And then I'm going to give you my top five not so obvious offense and defense players. Also, there's a few things. To when it comes to the Big Ten that I want to talk about. All right, so here we go. The top five obvious. Well, you know what? Before we get into that, let's get into a few of these things of the Big Ten, right? So I saw a thing on Instagram. Top five uh, B1G or Big Ten coaches. Uh, coming up or right now as they fall in the power rankings or whatever. So right now they have number one, Ryan Day. Uh, Number two, our boy Jim Harbs. Uh, Number three, Franklin, the cheerleader. Number four, whatever the Wisconsin guy's name is. And number five, the uh, detached penis of Tony, whatever his name is. God, I wish I could always remember that guy's name. Anyways, it's PJ Fleck, the guy I hate the most. I can't even believe I can't even remember my own put down for that bald idiot. Okay, I disagree with most of this and the ranking system, right? To put Ryan Day number one, now granted, I want to take myself out of this, out of me being a Michigan fan. Ryan Day does not deserve to be the number one coach in the Big Ten at all. He just doesn't. You can't be born on third base or gifted an amazing team and then everybody be like, oh, look how great he did in his first year. What a shocker. He did great with an already great team. Wow, what a great coaching job. No, no. Great coaches do greatness with teams that were shit before they took over. So Ryan Day shouldn't even be in the top 10 of great coaches in the Big Ten because he already had a 13-1 team, 8-1 in 
in the Big Ten when he took over the fucking team. Don't tell me he's worth a damn when we don't even know what he can do yet. Right? So, boom. Get him the fuck out of there. Now, the, the here's the rest of them. All right? Jim Harbaugh, obviously, is going to be my pick. And, and you can make a great argument, and I'm not a fan of this guy, but Franklin, you can make a good argument that Franklin deserves and might be the number one coach in the Big Ten only because what he had to take over when he did. And the, the whole program, uh, the naughtiness or the ugliness of what he took over. And that's a lot. I mean kitty fucking and touching dicks and all that kind of stuff in the shower that's awful and what he had to take over from what bill whatever his name was who went to the new england patriots and then to the texans helped get started but having to take over and then really get to the next step was kind of impressive okay so i'll give it to the cheerleader i don't sing his praise as much but that guy actually had some work to fucking do so i'll give it to him on that one right i will absolutely give it to him on that one but so just to give you an idea jim harbaugh 2014 before he took over the team michigan was five and seven overall and three and five in the big fucking ten obviously ryan day wouldn't know what to fucking do in that situation he took over a team 13 and one and eight and one in the big ten i already said that but i just want people to understand and which we're dealing with do not tell me that you worked hard when you were born or gifted on third base and you run into home don't tell me you worked hard for what you did it's bullshit um then Franklin took over in 2007, but in 2000, oh wait, no, it wasn't 2006. It was like 2014 or whatever. I forgot to write down the year, but he took over a team that was seven and five and four and four in the big 10. Okay. Seven and five, not bad, but still the overall health of the program with uh, recruiting injured by the scholarships taken away. Uh, still a good job. Uh, Wisconsin, I think his name is Chris, don't really care, because when you're Wisconsin and you've lived most of your life in the West Division, you can go fuck yourself. Um, he took over in 2014. He took over a team. Oh, he was took over in 2015, but 2014, Wisconsin was 11-3 and overall, and in the Big Ten, 7-1. and Whoa, slow it down. Amazing. You took over an 11-3 team with a 7-1 and Big Ten record in the West? Oh, you fucking miracle worker. Boy, you walk on water, Chris. Oh, my God. You're, you're so worthy of the top five coaches. Get the fuck out of here. He doesn't deserve to be in the top five coaches either. I mean, well, you're in the weakest division. You're in the weakest division. You get gifted another great fucking team, and then you just stay. You you flatline the whole time. You haven't done better, and you haven't done worse. You flatline. So what am I supposed to be like? Oh, look at the great job this guy's done. Fuck off. And then two, PJ Fleck, the fucking weirdo, the cult leader that I can't stand. You know who? Uh, Mish. Uh, I mean, he took over with. Ah. Minnesota, I need to slow down because I, I always get overworked or worked up when I talk about PJ fucking Fleck, Mr. Row the Boat himself. 2016, that was the year before he took over. Minnesota was 9-4 and four overall and 5-4 and four in the Big Ten. And in the West, 5-4 and four in, the, in the fucking West. They've always been a shit team. They got lucky. They probably had another shit schedule like they had last year, and they got that 9-4 and four fucking win. 
You know, I mean, come on, give me that, give me a fucking break. Minnesota gets a nine and four record, and they're and they're fucking throwing ticker tape parades like they've won the fucking Super Bowl. I just don't don't tell me PJ Flex a great coach in the Big Ten when he hasn't done dick. And when you go eleven and two and you don't play anybody all year until the end of the season, and you split that, you go one win against Penn State and two losses. Two in your division, by the way, in the weakest division, you lose to Wisconsin and you lose to fucking Iowa, and then you beat Auburn. For some reason, everybody's in love with what Auburn can do. I'm sorry, what has Auburn done since fucking Cam Newton's been there? Auburn's always up for some type of uh, parole or some type of uh, recruiting violation. And I get it. They have to. They're in the SEC. They're like the third best team in the SEC when it comes to Alabama and fucking LSU always getting everyone else. Oh, no, they're like the fourth with Georgia stealing all the people, too. So they got to cheat. So I'm not impressed that you beat Auburn. Give me a break. They barely beat Alabama, and Alabama was at their worst this year. I mean, that doesn't look good for us when we got fucking smashed by Alabama. But let's face it, Shea Patterson couldn't find an open... He was a blind man on a field. I mean... Okay, I don't want to get involved with Shea Patterson because I'll spend 30 minutes just bagging on how shitty he was. Just in 2019. 2018, I was a Shea Patterson fan. I will admit to that. I was impressed with how Shea Patterson played in 2018. So now that we got this out of the way, now the next one is the next five Big Ten champions, right? And I saw this on Instagram, and I can't even remember which site I saw it on. But uh, I digress, and we'll keep moving. Uh, 2021, Ohio State, this one guy thinks. 2022, Ohio State. 2023, Michigan. 2024, Ohio State in 2025, Wisconsin. I think that's a pity fuck for Wisconsin because uh, they shouldn't even be in it because the last time the West ever won the Big 12, I think it was in like 2012 or 2011. So I don't even know if they were the West and East divisions at that point in time. So I, listen, to that, let's never count in the West ever. I'm never, they, they are a joke of a fucking division. Until, thing, until they mix things up, I will never respect the West. Never, ever, never, ever. Because the top three teams in the West as you speak right now are Wisconsin, Iowa, and fucking Minnesota. And Minnesota only had one good season. One, let me remind you, one good season. In the East, Ohio State. Penn State, Michigan, and until recently, Michigan State was pretty good. They're dog shit now, but since 2011, Michigan State was a perennial threat to go to the Big the Big Ten title game since I think they had been there twice, uh, Penn State had been there once, and then the rest of them had been Ohio State. Anyways, uh, I don't think that's right. I think maybe 2021, you can see Ohio State. I'd give it to them maybe, depending on what we do this season. Because if we beat them this season, I think the momentum switches. Because then they have to play us in Ann Arbor in the A2 going into 2021. I don't see us getting any weaker. And if we find some type of leadership and some uh, role going and we beat them this year, 2021 could easily be Michigan Big Ten title game. Uh, also, 2022, that is the, uh, that is also, 2022 is the, uh, 
gear that I I've gone on record and saying that JJ McCarthy is going to get us a national title. Or at least, at the minimum, a Big Ten title. J.J. McCarthy, if we get Donovan Edwards, we get Rocco Spindler, we already have Andre Seldon, we've got real leadership there. Real fucking leadership. Daxon Hill, I think, will still be there in 2021. And no, 2022. That's our year. Ohio, fuck off. We're going to beat them. 2022 is our year. They got the, They got that one wrong. 2023, also our year. So you got that one right. I think J.J. McCarthy, like I predicted earlier, is going to lead our team to a to back-to-back either Big Ten titles or even national titles. We're going to be in the playoffs those two years. Ohio State 2024, maybe. I don't know. Uh, by that time, I would assume J.J. McCarthy is going into the NFL, so I don't know who we have at the quarterback position going forward. So, okay, fine. If you want to go with Ohio State in 2024, fine. But fuck off Wisconsin 2025. What did Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State just quit? Is that what happened? Because that's the only way. That is the only way Wisconsin's ever winning a fucking Big Ten title in 2025 is if Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State all give up. Just that's it. That's the only way that happens. Because Wisconsin isn't recruiting at a level that even gets close to either one of those three teams that I mentioned. They play in the West, so it's it's a gift that they get to the Big Ten title, but they can't win it. They're going to play a better team constantly in the Big Ten title game because they play a bunch of chumps every year. And let's just say, uh, here, I'll even throw in, let's say the fucking, the, the cult leader, P.J. Fleck, gets Minnesota to be consistent over the next couple of years. If he doesn't jump ship and go to, like, a bigger program. If you don't think you have, now, I've gone on record saying that Urban Meyer is going to come back and go to Notre Dame, but that USC job is wide open. And I'm talking Franklin or PJ Fleck would be number one on USC's list. Somebody as fucking wacky and cult leaderly like fucking PJ Fleck going into LA. Are you nuts? That's a perfect fit. You don't think he's going to leave cold ass with uh, Minnesota? Minnesota, with all the trouble they've had, you can either go and try and recruit kids to go to Minnesota that's had all that trouble recently, or go to L.A. (laughs) Come on, man. I already know where he's going. If that job is offered, we all know where P.J. Flack, the cult leader, is going. Right? So, whatever. But Wisconsin in 2025, that's that's a fucking joke. Uh, so we'll say either Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan are going to win in 2025. Uh, plain and simple, this guy, I don't even know if he knows what Big Ten football is all about because he obviously doesn't look at recruiting. He doesn't look at trends. I, I, Wisconsin is just a lazy attempt at trying to be trying to break up a trend. That's all he's doing at that point because they're in the West. So, of course, they have the easiest road to the Big Ten title game. Get out of here. I don't even want to hear it. So now let's get into... The uh, the obvious top five players, both on offense and defense, that will make a difference for Michigan to be contenders, right? Um, I'm, I'm going to go over this very easy because if you listen to numerous Michigan podcasts, this is going to be very obvious for you guys. It's going to be very, very obvious um, because it's true. Most of these players have to make have to be have huge contributions if we're going to do something next se- this season coming up, right? Okay? Now, obviously, I'm not going to mention the quarterback because we have no idea who the quarterback's going to be. 
right? But that uh, that's the number one guy. Whoever that is, he needs to have a great season. But I'm not, I don't know who it's going to be, so I'm not going to I'm not going uh, future predict. Uh, but number one, obviously, in the offense, Nico Collins. I think he needs to have a Braylon Edwards type of season, right? He has to. Um, a senior wide receiver with a first-time starter. That's the same thing that we are looking at in 2004 with Braylon Edwards and Chad Henney. Chad Henney was a freshman, first-year starter. Now, we don't have freshmen coming up this season, but they're still first-year starters, right? Either Milton or Dylan McCaffrey. And then you've got Nico Collins, senior leadership, Braylon Edwards, senior leadership with a young quarterback. I think we can see some... If if Nico Collins has that type of year, we're going to make massive noise in the Big Ten. Like I've said for numerous podcasts, to me, he is Randy Moss reborn. Body, everything. I mean, the way he runs, he hypnotizes you into thinking he's running slower than he really is. Great hands, great body control, great route running, everything you can smart Everything you need in a wide receiver, that's what Nico Collins is. But if Nico Collins gets, even even if Nico Collins does 2003 Braylon Edwards, which is 85 receptions, 1,138 yards, and 14 touchdowns, we are beating Ohio State and in the Big Ten title game looking for a fucking uh, playoff berth. We're absolutely doing that because that means he's unstoppable. But if we do 2004 Braylon Edwards, 97 receptions, 1330 in, in receiving yards, and 15 touchdowns. Just to give you an idea, that is absolutely half of every that's like double everything nico collins has done so far so it's a big it's a big ask i get it it's a big ask but you joe burrow has shown that if the right quarterback steps in and the accuracy is there things can change Right? So obviously, number one, Nico Collins. Giles Jackson, with everything he does, number two, with special teams, he can get in the backfield, he can hit the slot, he can be the number two, number three guy, whatever it is, Giles Jackson needs to have a great year. And I'm sure he will. Everything. I mean, everything I just said, he's going to be dynamic. He was 17 and just killing it last year. I can't even imagine what he's going to do this year. I'm super excited. Number three, obviously, Jalen Mayfield. That kid is a top 10 NFL draft pick, I think, in my mind, for an offensive tackle. I mean, he li- he is just a prototypical Michigan tackle. I mean, in the in the in the mold of Jake Long, uh, fucking John Runyon, senior, um, uh, Boss Hog himself. I can't, for the life of me right now, I can't think of his name. Um, But you know what I mean? Like that fucking just amazingly talented, smart, athletic bruiser of a fucking offensive lineman, offensive tackle. Absolutely looking for him to have a great year. Uh, Four, in my opinion, it's going to be Zach Charbonnet. I think that kid is a more athletic, faster Mike Hart. I loved what he did, his, his true as a true freshman, 
what he did was phenomenal. Over 11 touchdowns, or at least 11 touchdowns his true freshman year. Fantastic. Uh, don't know why we went away from him against Alabama in that bowl game. I'll never understand that because he was eating up yards, son. Eating up yards. And then uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I couldn't really come up with a true number five. You can go Ronnie. You can go Ronnie Bell. You could go Hassan Haskins. You can do a lot of different ones. But I went with fucking Hassan Haskins because you get a great running game, a great one-two punch with Charbonnet Haskins. That's going to open up the pass game a lot. And I, I really do believe that the running game uh, is important this season. Uh, so boom. Number five, and then let's go into the defense, right? These are obvious. I, I, I'm not shocking. I'm not blowing anybody's minds right now with who these top five are. But I'm going into the top five offense and defense that are not so obvious. And maybe you guys, maybe I'll enlighten some people. Um, defense one. Aiden Hutchinson. Come on, Hutch. Baby Hutch is going to do something this year. I think he's prime for it. Uh, Absolutely. If he can stop trying to pull off people's shoes and just focus on beating the guy in front of him, that kid's going to be a leader. He's He's got all the tools. I really do. I believe it. Uh, number two, obviously, Ambry Thomas. Been a big fan of that kid since I saw him play uh, early. I mean, I knew he was going to be good even before he took that kickoff return back for a touchdown against Notre Dame in 2018, I want to say. Um, big fan. I think he can be the shutdown guy we have always wanted and that we've had throughout. Like uh, Jeremy Clark or uh, Jordan Lewis, I think he's a more athletic, taller, better version of those two. Uh, number three, Quiddy Pay, obviously. Uh, I, th- I just expect him to do well. He just he seems to love the game so much, just a student of it. It's an obvious pick, right? Salt and pepper, both of them killing it. Because for the last, well, in Harbaugh's tenure so far, our our defensive ends have been stellar. Just wonderful, wonderful players. Number four, quite obvious, Dax Hill. I think his second year in, he's going to knock. He's going to get rid of the shyness, the stage fright, and uh, he looks like a bright individual. Uh, the speed, the fucking football knowledge, his reaction time. When you look at some of the game film that kid has and how he played the pass and how he was able to anticipate some things, I can't wait to see what he's going to do when he gets over the stage fright of being a starter. Um, and then obviously number five, Camagrone. Big guy, uh, taller, fast, or as fast version of our as our boy uh, Bush. I uh, the the fucking hopes I have for this kid are off the charts. I love this kid. Can't wait to see what he does. Now, before I get into the obvious or not the the not so obvious top five for both uh, for both offense and defense, let me go over another. Top five that things I think that need to go on that really are going to help us out, right? Uh, number one, quarterback health. Now, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be, like I said earlier, but whoever that is, the health of that quarterback has, has to be there because it's like it's weird because over the years, either our quarterback was healthy and our defense let us down or our quarterback was hurt. And our defense kept us in it, right? 2005, quarterback was healthy. 
our defense just wasn't up to the task. We were slower than Ohio State, and we just couldn't hang with them. I never thought we could have won that game. I'm always hopeful that we could win that game. Every time we play Ohio State, I always believe we're going to win. But that one, out of all the seasons, was one that I just, we had an uphill battle. Ruddock was healthy. Defense wasn't there. We just couldn't keep up. Not that we weren't good. It's just that we were too slow. 2016, right? Spate, hurt. Iowa game, broke his collarbone, whatever it was. Uh, I don't know if he broke it, but he definitely did something to his collarbone. Um, right before, obviously, the fucking Ohio State game. And that hurt us. Defense, fantastic job, 2016. I still, like I always say, we won that game. 2017. Just 100% quarterback health hurt us. Uh, 2017 defense showed up, right? Defensive, the defense showed up all but one game, and that was the Penn State game, right? I mean, what? I mean, we had four losses that year, but still, it was more of the quarterback letting us down. I mean, Spake got hurt. Then we had Oakhorn. <laughs> Fucking, we had O'Corn against Michigan State in a driving rain. He threw what five interceptions? I mean, that's not our defense's fault. Our defense was good. Our quarterback was awful. So Spate gets hurt. Brandon uh, O'Corn sucks. Brandon Peter gets in. Fucking gets knocked out against Wisconsin right before fucking Ohio State. Still not our defense's fault. You're telling me if we have a healthy Brandon Peters and against the Ohio State game, we don't fucking win that game. He makes those passes that O'Corn fucking overthrew. Like he like our wide receivers were eighteen feet tall. All right. Two thousand eighteen, healthy quarterback, defense didn't show up. Plain and simple. Brandon Watson, uh, do I need to say more? You couldn't even touch Haskins. You couldn't touch him? You couldn't touch him, Rashad Gary or fucking Winovich. You couldn't touch him in 2018. No. You know what I mean? Fuck off. So, healthy quarterback, shit defense. 2019, fucked up quarterback. I mean, I guess you could say he was he was healthy when we played Ohio State. For, for, but for most of the season, the excuse they're giving Shea Patterson was that he was hurt. Not that he was lazy in the offseason or going forward, but he was hurt. So whatever, we'll go with it. Uh, hurt quarterback, good defense. Then we get to the Ohio State game. He was healthy, shit defense. It's amazing how those two things alternate. Now, if we could finally get a defense and a quarterback that are, one, a quarterback health is good and healthy, ready to go, and our defense actually plays up to how they should play, I think we'll fucking beat Ohio State. But that's the, one of the number one things right there. Number one, quarterback health mixed in with uh, defensive uh, preparation or just grabbing their nutsack and showing up like men. Uh, number two, leadership and accountability. That's huge. And I think we've got that in spades this year. I like how Avery Thomas came out last year, started uh, pushing that, that idea forward. I like uh, Andre Seldon. I think he's going to be a great leader coming forward. I think we have a lot of kids who start to understand that it's not the coach's fault why we lose these games. Granted, some of them, it is. Fine. But... 2019, we didn't lose that game against Ohio State because of the coaching 
calls or anything like that. We lost it because we acted like a bunch of little scared kids going up against the big bad bully. And we didn't make the plays when the plays were there. Jumping off sides on a fourth down. Uh, pulling off somebody's fucking shoe when you're the two leaders of that defense. Uh, running, uh, Dropping balls on a third down when it hits you in the fucking hands. Dropping touchdowns when it's in your fucking hands. Things like that. Oh, not hitting a hole. And I mean, a hole that a truck could drive through on a fourth down that would have probably taken, you probably would have ran 20 yards before you even got touched. Those kind of things, those plays aren't, aren't because of the coaches. Those aren't the coach, the coach's faults why we do this. And I know I'm beating a dead horse because we've gone over this numerous times. So I'll move on. Um, off, offensive line, defensive line have to be the best units on our team coming up next obviously the quarterback is the number one thing but if you take the quarterback out of the equation boom offense defensive line that's it um red zone it's beating a dead horse and you guys heard it through numerous podcasts but we've got to fucking score touchdowns instead of field goals or not scoring at all in the red zone plain and simple and number five obviously win road games we've got to win we got to win road games and i'm beat ohio and that's a road game this year but to be quite honest if you do number two which is leadership and accountability and that improves i can guarantee you that we will win more road games and we will beat ohio state because let's face it guys let's look at the season right now there's only three road games that scare me there's actually only three road games. There's only three games all season that are nerve-wracking. And if everything falls into line how it does in the previous seasons, right? So I'm going to assume that we hold court against Wisconsin because wherever we play, if we play in Wisconsin, we lose. We play in the big house, we win. Penn State, we out, we have three and two against them. If we play at Penn State, we lose. We win, and then we win at A2. So where they both come to A2, we should win those games. Uh, Michigan State, fuck them. I, I don't even count them, even though we should because you never know what's going to go on. But we should bitch slap that team this year. Uh, so it's with it's Washington because we go West Coast and it's a road game. We suck dick on both of those accounts. And then two, Minnesota, I, I even hate giving that cult leader any type of credit. But it's it's an away game. And those guys are going to be stoked. He's going to he's going to sacrifice. I don't know how many virgins and cows and pigs and everything he's got to do to get that colt revved up to beat us. That is their Super Bowl. Because let's face it, they don't play anybody all year long ever, never, ever. They don't. They're in the West. How could they play anybody? This is their game. Until they maybe, I think they might play Ohio State next year. They might. I don't even know. I got to look over the schedule. I'm not even sure if they do that. So they might have two really hard games next year. Two. And then, obviously, Ohio State in the fucking toilet bowl over there in Columbus. Right? So three hard games, away games. But if we have leadership and accountability, that should take care of the fucking road games. If you if you take care of, number one, quarterback health and uh 
and defensive awareness or defensive grabbing their nuts and being real men, number one. Leadership and accountability, number two. O-line and D-line fucking being the best squads on the team. And then you get red zone improvement. We will, then number five, accomplish that. Beating Ohio and be and having and winning on the road. You have to have all four of those for number five to come true. And I think that will happen. So now, the not-so-obvious top five defensive players. Number one in my head, it's Chris Hinton. No matter what, he is Mo Hurst to me. Go back and look at any game that Mo Hurst played in. He was the reason why 2016 defense was so good. He was creating havoc in the middle. And when a quarterback when he automatically sees the defensive tackle in his face, it's hard to do play action pass. It's hard to get a clean handoff. It's hard to do a lot of things that he needs to do to be successful. So Chris Hinton is the number one guy on that defense next year. Carlo Kemp, the chubby face assassin. I love the kid. I mean, great leader, whatever. Well, until he tries to steal people's shoes, but he's, he's not. He's not Mo Hurst. He's not. He's never going to be. He's just not. He's a great athletic kid, but he's not going to create havoc. Chris Hinton will. Chris Hinton's well over 300 pounds. And then when you see him play in that Ohio State game, when you see him play in the Alabama game, you see him start to make plays. This is huge. We need him to do something. Also, staying with that, Luigi Villain. It's about time Luigi Villain, now that he's had his surgeries and he's got through getting football ready. Now listen, playing at a high level in a great conference, it takes time. You just can't get both knees redone and then expect to just, boom, be a game changer. I saw some real light coming out of him last year. There's some, There were some, like, new, like, Limited plays, but when he was in there, you could tell he was in there. I like that. Luigi Villain does that. It helps with the number three thing that I said where the D-line and O-line have to be the number one squads on our team. Luigi Villain helps with that. Donovan Jeter needs to wake the fuck up and start living up to everything that they say he's going to be. Boom. Not so obvious, but obvious, right? Those three players right there need to live up to their billing to make us a great defensive squad. If those three players live up to their billing, we're going to dominate on that on that defensive line. You give me two Mo Hurst on that defensive tackle, and then you put salt and pepper on the edge, give me a break. We're killing people. We are fucking killing killing people next year we're killing them it's not even going to be it's not even fair you give me to, two more hearse it's done if chris hitting give me get i'm hoping and this is what i thought when i saw chris chris hitting play last year i thought that kid reminds me of mo hurst and aubrey solomon now granted solomon left for whatever reasons, I think that was family reasons, but that kid could shed tackles like nobody's, he could shed blocks like nobody's fucking business. And then you give the penetrating ability of a Mohurst, that's Chris Hinton in my opinion. I really believe he is the mixture of Solomon and Hurst. I'm very excited about this. Then give me Josh Ross, because uh, Cam McGrone is going to need help. 
right? And then we've got uh, whoever, Michael Dana, or who, not Michael Dana, what am I talking about? Whoever's going to be the Viper, we new kid, right? Whoever's going to be, take the place of Josh Uche, new player. And so we need a guy like Josh Ross who has played and played in big games and has has got the speed, the intelligence, the football knowledge, all that kind of stuff. We need him to help Cam McGrone really take that next step and solidify that linebacking core because two out of the four linebackers we have are going to be new to their position. So we need Josh Ross to really nail down that other position for us. Um, then you've got Vincent Gray. I, I've said this numerous times. He is a more aggressive and uh, more aggressive uh, chanting Stribling. And I am a huge Stribling fan. Huge Stribling fan. I loved how long his arms were. I liked how he played the game. I, I Big fan. Big fan. He couldn't tackle for shit. But the way he covered was impressive, and I was a fan. An absolute fan of that kid. 100%. And uh, so I think Vincent Gray can be that. And if you look at Vincent's great uh, like story arc, if you're casting a movie and you're writing his part, started off good beginning of the season, had his struggles through the majority of the season, and then really picked it up. And He had his struggles. He had a, like a 50-50 game in that Ohio State game. But he made some real classic plays. And then against Alabama, he looked great. He did. He really looked great for a first-time starter, and you could see that his talent was starting to catch up to things, right? Like his knowledge of what the position is, because he had to play out of position uh, for most, well, like at least two to three other two to three games late in the season because Brad Hawkins got hurt. So they had him playing safety, uh, a position he's not equipped to play. Still making progress. Vincent Gray, huge, right? Now we'll go to the offense. Now, some of these are going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm going to go with Christian Turner. Uh, I, I, anybody could have said Chris Evans, right? Obviously, Chris Evans is going to be huge for us to, to be successful next year. But that's obvious, Right, that's obvious. Just like Hassan Haskins and fucking uh, Zach Charbonnet, and the only reason why I didn't put Chris Evans in the obvious top five is because you don't know what kind of football shape he's in. He had to take a year off. We don't know what he's going to be like, but we do know what Charbonnet and Haskins can do. Right? We just already know. So, boom, Chris Evans. I'm not even going to put him in there. Um, Christian Turner. From everything I heard, he was hurt last year. So that's why he was a concession stand player, fumbling, not looking good. But the kid, I guess, has improved in size and in strength, and he still has that speed. So you control his fumbling. You give us a fourth option as a running back. We're going to be unstoppable at the running back position. You hit him with Charbonnet, the fucking brute right up front. Then you've got the kind of slashing uh, Eric Dickerson-type running ability of uh, Son Haskins. Then you give us the slot slasher Chris Evans. And then you give us the speedster Christian Turner. Come on, man. We're going to be amazing. Like I, So Christian Turner is a huge, huge one for me right now. I think he's going to make uh, big steps this year if he stays healthy. Number two, 
Chuck Filiaga. I've been a fan of this kid ever since I heard his name. I don't know why, but I'm a big fan of Islanders playing football. I work with a ton of them in the airline industry. They are the most humble, hardworking, strong as fuck dudes you'll ever meet. And if this dude loves football and he stuck it out this long, I truly believe if Chuck Filiaga gets a chance to start, you're going to see a top-notch guard, a top-notch guard who's going to get drafted and move on. He's going to need only one year to do it. You give Warner and Chuck Filiaga a chance to really do some shit, I'm telling you, man, Coach Warner is going to get the most out of Chuck Filiaga, and I can't wait to see it because he's going to be replacing one of the best or one of the better. Now, he's one of the best uh, Michigan guards and Bredesen. And I think Chuck has got the fucking pants to do it. I think this kid is right there. I think he's, we're going to be very impressed with what this kid does. I am. I'm very excited about Chuck Villiaga. And he could be, you throw in Jalen Mayfield and you get Ryan, Ryan Hayes and then Andrew Stuber. You throw in a solid Chuck Filiaga. Boom. I'm telling you, this line is not going to miss a beat. Um, and then the two tight ends. There's going to be one that's going to shock you. But if Nick Eubanks has has a year, he's going to be the greatest safety blanket, and he's going to have a huge year as a tight end. Because look at how the New England Patriots use their tight ends and how how good Tom Brady was in utilizing those tight ends. Eubank is very athletic. Runs good routes. He's improved his blocking. Improved his blocking last year. That was a big negative for him. Improved his blocking last season. Right? And I can only... I'm only going to hope that it gets better this year. But he he can catch. He's got the speed. He can really provide problems for teams in the Big Ten and going forward. Uh, I, I'm telling you... Nick Eubanks is going to have a big year. And then also, Luke Schoonmaker. I'm pulling it out of the fucking, the abyss, the nowhere, the black, whatever you want to call it, I'm pulling it out. Luke Schoonmaker is going to have a fucking season. I'm telling you, he's probably going to back up Nick Eubanks, even Eric All. It was a, it was a close one. Schoonmaker All, I think both of them are going to have a good year. But I'm telling you right now, Schoonmaker is the dude. And Scoonmaker is the dude, right? Um, and I think that's it. That's top four offense that you didn't expect. Sorry if everything is kind of a little jumbled right there. I had kind of a uh, audio uh, mishap. Um, but I think that's it. Uh, it's a great episode. I loved doing this episode. This was a fun one. Uh, you know, obviously, hit me up on on the uh, Instagram or the Facebook. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, rate this episode do whatever have a good time uh, i really appreciate you all um i'm happy to be back all the personal stuff seems to be settling down and uh oh also go to instagram and check out these guys michigan stats instagram page very informative like the kid or man don't know what he is uh, grown man, young kid, whatever. But I do like his page. Also, uh, Wired, Wired Wolverines or Wired on Wolverines. Go to that one as well. 
another good one to go to. Uh, go to his blog. I think it's in his bio on Instagram. Great kids. Not Wolverine Wire, which we all know is the other guy, uh, but Wired on Wolverines. Uh, his articles are quick to the point, give you as much information as possible, but don't bore you. So uh, I like both of them. Really support those guys. Uh, really, you know what? Actually, support every Michigan Instagram or podcast or whatever you can. Because right now, this is a love affair. This was one of the hardest off-seasons ever for, for, for most of us. But for me, totally. Everything in the world that could have happened has happened to me. I mean, I got hurt. I went through. I had COVID-19. I got uh, had a break up with a girlfriend everything you could think of my son moved to the navy and i miss him dearly everything you can imagine could happen to one person happened to me this year uh but you know the one thing that kept me going was this fucking podcast i love you guys this is the greatest thing i could have ever done i'm super happy i can't wait till the season starts and i really do think we're in for one hell of an exciting season um like i always say guys it is fucking fantastic to be a Michigan Wolverine and always and forever guys go blue